if you don't take the time to analyze or fix what you did wrong or make that better, I mean, you're going to end up with the same struggles. You're going to end up repeating a lot of the same mistakes, but you also never grow. The whole goal is to evaluate what went wrong and try to not do those same mistakes tomorrow and go out there and continue to grow and try new things. You're listening to the Expertish Podcast. Be sure to head over to iTunes or Spotify and tell Jay what you thought about this episode. Expertish is where you can learn how to invest from those who have, those who are, and have some fun along the way. Are you ready to start? Welcome to Expertish. Today we're talking to my friend Steven. Steven, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic, Jay. I appreciate you inviting me onto the show. How are things going in San Diego? You know, we're locked down again, more or less, but uh, the weather's beautiful. It's nice outside. You still get out and do a few things. So I guess business is still going. So I'm not going to complain. How about I you? Love it. I love it. Well, things are fantastic in the great country of Texas. But and listen, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't already gone over to iTunes or to, to Spotify or wherever you're getting your podcast from, uh, Stitcher, leave a review. Leave a review. Subscribe to it, first of all, and then tell Jay what you think of the show. One, just because he works his ass off. He, it's so funny. Like every time I talk to him, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, to buy the, he, he never talks about it all the time, but he talks about it, these little chunks, but every single time it's something new. So he's always working on something new. He's always doing, and he's, he's fighting to bring you information all the time about relevant, pertinent, specific ways to help you become an investor. So I, that's what I love about this show. It's one of my favorite things about it. And you got a bunch of different folks, folks that are actually part of his, his real estate team. So I'm, I'm excited about listening to this. So I, pre, I appreciate you inviting me on. I will make sure not to dumb down the information and the, and the credibility that this show has just by being a part of it, my friend. Hey, I don't know. I, th- I feel like uh, whenever, whenever we get together and talk, sometimes we can, we can dumb down. We can really dumb some stuff down. So, so I, I, you might be making promises you can't keep. That happens. That happens. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but more importantly, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, your business. Steven was a Marine, still is a Marine, I guess, right? Because you never get to outgrow that. And then that's what keep, I've been told. Keep yeah. all your, keep all Marine, your, always a Marine. There and there's go. a lot more Marines that get wrapped around the axle after the, after the fact too. It's, it's funny. I, the, the community that I live in, there's veterans who never really truly transitioned. If you know what I'm saying, they, they, they never, they just left like thumbs on the trouser saying, you know, they, they stand at attention still. They there's a, a certain amount of comfort in that familiarity and they just never, they never get away from it. And so the community I live in, I love a lot of the folks that are, that are here, but it's always funny. You can always point, you're like, Oh yeah, he's, did you just get out? Oh no, you got it 20 years ago. Fantastic. God bless you. Yeah. So you doing colors today. Great. Great. <laughs> Right. Yeah. PT is at what time tomorrow? I see it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, that's awesome. So you did eight years, I believe. So yeah, I spent just under five years active and mm-hmm. you know, my active duty. So a lot of the audience that's listened to this, if you're not military and you hear a lot of military jargon, listen, it's too, Jay spent time in the military. I spent time in the military. A lot of folks who listen to the show do come from the military. If you didn't, you know, somebody who did. So a lot of these stories could be relative to your, you know, to your time in college or relative to, you know, adapting to a new and a new work environment. That's kind of what it was for me. I had to move to Okinawa, Japan for my first almost five years in the military. Uh, that was also my first year of marriage whenever I, I moved over there. So I was what we call a first term Marine. I was a 22 year old who had just got done selling some mortgages and retail banking from a financial institution. And my background was working with, with people working in, in retail banking. And so the military was nothing like that. 
there was systems and processes from across departmental sales standpoint, from a operational risk management standpoint, when you talk about loans and going through underwriting that were kind of similar in the way that those organizations functioned, but, but they were very different. So my time in the military was, you know, I was a logistician. I was a first time Marine who was brand new to Okinawa, Japan. Now going, oh my gosh, I'm going to wake up today and we may go to South Korea to go offload a, a you know, an HSV, or we may go load quadcons for the next week and a half to get ready for a deployment in Thailand or, you know, some type of deal in the Philippines or, you know, Talisman Sabre down in, uh, in Australia or Cobra Gold in Thailand, whatever, whatever the case may be. And that was all relatively new, having to get used to that op tempo. And oh, by the way, my wife, who's in her first year of marriage with me, she's on the other side of the world. So we had to do a a tour conversion in order for me to even be allowed to have my wife to come live with me. So think about that for a second. My, my, My first year of marriage, wife's living on the other side of the world. I'm brand new in this job. Just a, a huge career change. I was always wanted to, you know, I was wanted to be a part of something bigger than what I was, which is what the military provided. Uh, plus, you get to go see some really cool things, mm-hmm. and uh, Marine Corps provided me that opportunity. So for almost five years, I was active. You know, you can fast forward a couple of deployments and you know things that we did while we were over there. But you know, whenever I got out, I, I lost a lot of that that sense of who in the hell I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my marriage suffered, my self image suffered, my career suffered. You know, I worked at Best Buy just getting out of the military. Like I, I went from, you know, helping orchestrate and keeping my Marines safe in, in Iraq to seven months later, I was slinging PCHO personal computers over at, at Best Buy. It was a really shocking change for me. Right. Uh, but my wife also was pregnant with my first son at the time. So you kind of had to wake up quickly. And, you know, through a series of, of, of changes, I, I was like, all right, I got to go back to the reserves to help offset some of these insurance costs. And, and it's amazing how that stability in the infrastructure and the, uh, the stability of the military allowed, even whenever I was going through that rocky transition to kind of get my footing back, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah. my goal was always to be self-employed, still aspirations about not just in one particular vertical, so to speak. I want to be able to diversify and and have a lot of uh, irons in the fire, so to speak. It, it just always seemed like the right way to go. Every mentor that I had in my life was adamant about taking and building an asset, leveraging that cash flow to go reinvest back in other assets so you can continually expound your growth. And so I've been more of a builder than I, than I necessarily have a, a huge diversified investor over the course of my career. Uh, I see that changing over the last two to three years, which is a lot of fun, but that's also been you know some mental changes too that I've had to go through. And you have to build that base, I think, a lot of times before you can get to that point too. You know, you do have to build that base before you can start diversifying, like even diversifying your thoughts to break it down super simply, you know, yeah. which directions you want to go. Well, I was a control freak too, to be honest with you, man. I mean, in the military, you know, we talk about risk mitigation a lot. And it's just a term that we use to say we want to do a thing to mm-hmm. prevent a larger inverse reaction to whatever the thing is that we're trying to avoid. And, and so that breeds a lot of fear, a lot of seeing things that aren't there, it breeds a lot of like, it's not necessarily a healthy, constructive environment for you to take risks. So it's not saying that there's a, you know, a lack of creativity, so to speak, in that thought process. It's just that that's how I, I felt trapped with that way of thinking. And now all of a sudden, whenever I get out of the military and a lot of veterans go through this, there's this kind of clean slate opportunity and, and there's nobody really telling them what to do, not realizing that they have to tell themselves what to do. They have to iterate, they have to make those changes. And, you know, if there's a lack of, of, of funds, you feel as if you're forced and there's no way out because you're, you're forced to have to comply with the available resources. Right. Uh, there's a guy named Mike Sorelli who he rolls around with the uh, Jocko Willenick and Lake Pavement over there at Echelon Front. 
He wrote a book called The Talent War with uh, uh, George Goodwin. He's a senior global vice president for uh, Force Point in terms of global resource management planning. And he talks about it's never been a lack of resources. And so if you look at a problem, it's always a lack of resourcefulness. And I was like, geez, man, that's, that's absolutely true. And it, yeah. you, you either are thinking your way into a problem and backing yourself into it, or you're trying to figure out a process to get yourself out of it and then replicate that that same process with folks that you work with so you can get to where you want to go faster. Yeah. And no, I, I agree with that. And, and back to even I'll back to where you talked about like risk mitigation, you know, in your military side where you're trying to protect, you know, the, the team that you work with, all this good stuff. Do you think that that sometimes when you leave that, like when you first, you know, first leave your old job, then had risk built in. And that's why risk mitigation was so important. All the risk was there. So the reason that's so heavy on risk mitigation is if not, a lot of people die. So that there's a big reason for it. But then you carry that mindset into a situation that is for the most part benign. Maybe it's not financially benign, but risk, you know, physical risk benign. I think that if people don't recognize that change, it can have a, you know, a poor impact on their growth outside of the military too, because then they're still doing risk mitigation, like playing prevent defense, right? And you're not, and you're not going anywhere with it. And I, I think that that is a mindset uh, factor as well, just like you're talking about the resourcefulness instead of thinking of like all the, I mean, it's fine to think of all the reasons why, hey, this, this could be a potential reason this won't work. This could be a potential reason why this won't work. As long as you don't stop there and go, cool, let's circumvent that or let's go over top of that or how do we get around it? But I think that's something you have to recognize. You just hit the nail right on the head. I mean, you take your, your podcast, for instance, right? So you put investing information out there and you take folks along this journey with you. You know, real estate happens to be a vehicle that you use to create income, but it's also a vehicle that you use to disseminate information to help also transfer momentum and, and wealth accumulation and skills into other people. And so this podcast, it, it's interesting the way that you've aligned the resources that folks have available to do. So if they go back and listen to, you know, your episode with, you know, Mike Hinkle or, you know, Leon Grimes or, or any of those other episodes that uh, of folks that have, that have been on your show in the past, there are resources available to people that if they get stuck in that rut or if they get stuck in whatever it is that they're doing, they can go access other information and people will literally either align a series of tasks for them to do or align a series of folks for them to go meet. Either way, it, it, there are folks there that can help. And, you know, getting out of the military, one of the biggest challenges that, that I had that's, that still from time to time kind of comes up, it's learning that when you're communicating and having collaborative type conversations with either your team or folks externally, you're not absorbing more risk. You don't have to use risk mitigation strategies right. uh, as part of your comms plan to go and go grow your organization. You know, you can use strategic account management principles to go grow your marketing reach. You mm -hmm. can go use, you know, relationship management skills to go build a stronger cohesive unit within your culture of your organization. Right. So like, those are things that I didn't even think about whenever I got out of the military, I just was like, I'm doing and I've got to do right. 20 things today. And if I do the 20 things then I'm going to feel better about me and I'm going to go do it. And then I'm going to feel worse about me if I don't go do those things. It's like, right. It's not linear and life never is, which is so crazy because everything in the military that we think about, it's, it's all linear, linear progression for rank, linear progression of responsibility. Yeah. It's great for infrastructure and institutional type stability, but in my profession, that's just not how it works. I think we were talking a little bit earlier about manage perception and then you got to manage expectations and then you got to be able to execute. And if you can do those things really, really well, depending upon which stage you are in your business, 
Right. And in my profession, that's going to help you build momentum and provide better opportunities, more visibility for you to go and do the same thing. You can either fall flat on your face or you can continue to perform. Well, and you know, talking about your profession, I guess that's a good time to even mention that. We, we kind of just went straight to picking on Marines and Navy and, you know, our normal banter. But, yeah, um, of course, yeah. but you know, like uh, to the point too of there are resources and there's people and you can collaborate with and just discuss things. And kind of sometimes even when you just say your things out loud, you go, man, this could work. Or you say something out loud and you're like, yeah, let's just scratch that. I don't even, that just sounds dumb to me even now that you say it out loud. But through that, that's how, uh, you know, just talking with other people um, is how I got connected to you. And the podcast thing was something when I just first, I mean, I think I was, I wasn't even actually out yet. Um, when I'd had a meeting with some people and just of like, Hey, what is needed education wise for people to do better financially or better prepare for transitioning out of the military or just, you know, that financial stability thing that was like a few years ago. And I just didn't, you know, I still wanted to do it, but I didn't have the know-how and I was trying to build the business. So it was kind of like that project that I wanted to get to, but just didn't have the know-how. Yeah. Even what's interesting with what you're talking about, Jay, yeah. you're talking about Okay. Think about how you started real estate. Oh yeah. It, 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 did you, did you have this, this uniquely designed plan to say, I'm going to create a hundred million dollars of net worth and, you know, $10 million of net positive cash flow year after year. So therefore I need to buy my first home. Nope. No, it's like, yeah. it's the most asinine thing in the world. When you hear it like that, you're like, what? Yeah. Right. No, <laughs> no. your, your goals are your goals and yeah. how folks get there. It's different for everybody. It's true. You know, sometimes you just have to go outside, like you get connected and the opportunity presents itself like the opportunity when I uh, met you and you go to someone who does do those things or that understands what you're trying to do. That's another thing that I think is key when you do start working or collaborating with people. If they understand what's going on or they understand your goals and their goals align and, and you know, take advantage of that. And I probably would still be thinking about this podcast had I not met you and, you know, like started talking with you and then just basically turned it over to you. That was gracious of you. I don't know if it was quite characterized quite like that. I think you, <laughs> you have a lot more into it than what, you know, than what you give yourself credit for. It's your thing. That's, that's the interesting thing about the way folks consume new information. When I say folks, I'm talking about people, uh -huh. right? And you can start with people. So there's a lot of people who can go out there and help you with a podcast. So to, to talk specifically about what our business does, I call myself the chief knucklehead, but I run knucklehead media group. So it's an agency where we either design or we produce B2B podcasts that are designed to bring dead leads to life. So we collaborate with our individual clients or individual organizations who have individuals, marketing teams, usually that need to have a specific goal accomplished. And that is, can we create a show or humanize your digital content in a way that actually leads people to consume more of what your organization does. Right? right. And so it wasn't overly complicated to design that same process for you because your goal is to sell more real estate or to attract more people to investing and introduce them in a warm way to an audience full of folks that are professionals who can help them with their investing. But you also had to draw that out of me too, because, uh, you know, to, like I, I came in like, Hey, I want to get this information out there because I was frustrated when I see people not taking advantage of some of these things. And it, it took a bit of work from you to like draw it out. Like what's your end goal? And like, I don't get the information out, you know? And so you guys had your work cut out just really kind of, uh, 
pinpointing a direction. I have a tendency to talk like I need to learn to shut up. So I, I'm going to bite my tongue here. So the issue that you were running into is you've got this really good idea. You need help executing. Mm -hmm. And that was it. You just needed help executing. And it's not that we're awesome at executing. What we are good at is talking to people who already trust you, mm -hmm. right? If people trusted you to do business with them before, then what they say about it, what the words that they use, the emotions that they feel whenever they're doing business with you is what we need to draw out every single time that we produce a new episode for you, right? That's what we need to draw out whenever it comes to the design of your show, right? So the difference is, is like you can go, I tell this to these people all the time, there's a podcast hosting platform called Stitcher. Well, Stitcher actually owns a company called Midroll. Midroll sells ads on behalf of all Stitcher hosted platforms, right? So what's the difference between somebody who's in Lincoln, Nebraska, who obviously the folks in Nebraska love their Cornhuskers. What's the difference between somebody who's in Nebraska talking about, you know, Cornhusker football or, or sponsors and ads there and somebody who's in LA who's also producing a show where they may be Rams fans. The difference is the audience that you can reach out and go touch. You may have more engagement in Lincoln, Nebraska and have a better, like better competency at going and attracting clients in Nebraska because you're working with regional competent folks versus you being in Nebraska and then going to mid-roll and going to Stitcher and having them orchestrate your entire show or B2B or fulfillment, however you're going to have your, your agency work because they're mm -hmm. disconnected. They're not necessarily connected to you, which is why I, I believe that there's local competency. There's, there's value in having local competency, but there's also value and alignment with what your customer is trying to accomplish. So the reason why I, I drew that analogy and it may or may not make sense to those folks is without talking to your customers first, you may have an idea of what you want to get done, but your customers telling you how all of what they felt doing business with you is really what we're trying to replicate with people who don't know you yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. There is a little bit of design in there. It's not just, okay, cool. I'm going to set up a microphone and start chatting and start re releasing stuff on YouTube because it's just that simple. Plus, you know, you got to deal with a little bit of censorship now that YouTube's right. dropping the hammer, but that's a different topic. We won't jump into that right now. But, but relevant. <laughs> well, actually, it's another thing that I was thinking when we were talking, when you spoke of how you, you know, talk to my old customers to see what it was that we need to replicate or, and sometimes like, hey, it might even be, what we need to do better or what, how we can get the information across. And I think that something important about that is what you guys do to help people develop, whether it's podcasts or because you know you do more than podcasts too or any kind of marketing type of thing is something that I believe all business people should be trying to get better at in general anyway you know, is seeing like, what is it? Cause your clients will tell you what they need. You know, your, your demographic will tell you what they need if you're listening. And I think that's something that a lot of times us or any business can get caught up in Well, we know our business. Let's just go, go, go. We can get it done. And sometimes people treat the client as if they're in the way, you know, like, well, you don't understand this. Let's go. But, but that is just like, they will tell you what they want. They'll tell you what they need and you have to take the time to listen listen to it. So I think that's an important factor of what you just said is that can be replicated for any business. Yeah. People could also make this the same generalization about, you know, where they live, right? So mm -hmm. they could either own their home or they could go rent their home, but they need a place to stay. That's a commonality in, right. in today's highly urbanized uh, culture where folks, you know, enjoy the, the amenities of living in a home. There are 
you know, <laughs> some folks that, that used to rub shoulders with you and I that probably are living in an ISO container buried in the side of a mountain right now. And we haven't seen them or anybody else for the last five years, if you know what I'm saying. Right. Pretty uh, true. There are those folks, which is actually, it's interesting when you, when you start to study the way that the marketing industry or folks out in the marketplace, when they started talking about, and this is one of the things that we were talking about beforehand, it's the ability to recognize an opportunity and then capitalize on that opportunity. So entrepreneurs and, you know, the hustle and grind mindset is, it's kind of a given, right? When you, when you run a business. So if you have somebody who's constantly talking about that or marketing that, there's obviously something more than what they're trying to say, or they're trying to make up for something that they're not doing. And the reason why I wanted to bring that up is the service you provide, it's not just the service. It's you learn that like there's more to it than just, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to show somebody at home. They're going to purchase the home. And I'm able to, because I have a network of folks, I'm able to, to capitalize on that network. And you realize, no, that skill has the ability to produce and I'm going to leverage all of that network and identify an opportunity where, where transitioning service members or folks that are moving from one duty station to another in that community, you can help them. And oh, by the way, it's more than just being able to purchase a home. There's more to it. So it's being able to build on top of what you did for your baseline. In the world of marketing or in however folks consume media, there's been more messages about podcasts over the last 18 months than there has in the 20 previous years that podcasts have even existed. And the first question I get all the time when I talk to people about it is, well, how do you make money with it? Which you do real estate. And I'm sure folks go, well, how do I make money with it? And you're like, well, listen to my podcast (laughs) and you can learn how to make money in real estate, you know? (laughs) Right. And you've actually had people say that to you. Yeah. Right. And they've come back to you. They trusted you. And that's no different than what we do for our clients with podcasts. And it's not like we have to go and hunt a whole lot of net new business because there's people who are running businesses, the cold audience, the people who don't know them yet, they just need an opportunity to get to know those business owners. Because if they know, like, and trust you, they're going to want to do more business with you. I mean, generally speaking. Sure. Yeah. And so it's, it's a lot like, you know, how Dana White, he, the UFC president, he always talks about how there will be something about people who will stop whenever there's a fight. They just want to go watch it. And he understands that about people. There's always that person at a bar or a gathering, you know, it's, you know, imagine we're not in 2020 at a bar and we're there and there's almost like a little argument or like a something intense going on. And you want to be that person just close enough to eavesdrop. That's what a podcast is. You give your, the people who don't know you yet, the ability to kind of eavesdrop on what it is that you're talking about and give them a reason to come back for more. Right. And that's what I love about your product. That's what I love about your service. And that's why I like working with folks like you, Jack. Well, hey, I appreciate that. I figured you probably hated it because you have to do so much tech support and tell me how to plug in microphones and edit out all my uh, curse words and censoring. A lot there of is stuff, some legwork. So. There is some legwork. Don't don't get me wrong. That's why we have a post production element to the things that we do. However, the reality is is we have another show that we produce where the folks on our staff they like told me as they're going through the process. They're hey, Stephen, listen, I. I actually had to go through that a couple of times just because it was so good. The first time I had to go back and, and then actually do what I'm supposed to do whenever I'm listening to it. Like I had to, I had to go through it again. And right. Right. But you hear that. That's a good problem to have. You hear that all the time. Absolutely. You don't hear it back enough. I think to your point, when you were talking about how we went to go talk to your customers, 
Mm-hmm. How often as a business do you have like a deliberate market research project where you're actually going and communicating with existing customers and surveying them and asking them questions about what it is that they do or what it was that they liked about you? That in itself is valuable enough, let alone you using that to go design, to go get that new business. You right. know what I'm right. No, yeah, 100%. You have to see what you've done. I mean, you have to replicate what was done right and you have to see what's doing wrong. You can always improve on it. Another person I was talking to, it was actually a friend of mine who just transferred to the Pentagon. We were talking when he finished his tour as a commanding officer about, you know, I asked him like, what were the positive and negatives from his time? And, and I felt honored that he like, he shared some of that with me because any, you know, knowledge from people doing business at, you know, that's still, that's a business, you know, doing business at a high level of something they can share some of that information. That's, that's free knowledge. And I appreciate that a lot. And the conversation kind of took us to the point of one of the great things in the military was when you transfer, you get to start over. You can, whatever things are in your leadership style or your execution style, whatever it is, if you take, it doesn't, it didn't, you don't even have to take forever to do it, but you take 10, 15 minutes sometime between that transfer and go, Hey, what worked and what didn't work so well last time and why? And then you can just realign and go into the new, and it's like a a free start over, you know, hit and reset, you know, every few years with still keeping all the knowledge and experience you gained from the last three. So I just think that that's a, that's a huge gift. And in a sense, businesses, if they're doing that on a regular basis too, even market research, great going back, talk to your clients. Great. Which I think is a huge benefit because you, even when you try to do it yourself, you don't always have the same perception they do obviously, but just taking a little time and going, Hey, am I providing what's really needed or am I providing what gets the business done? You know, am I really providing that extra level or what is it that's, that is missing that could make these people a little more comfortable through that process? And I think that's, a, I don't know, just a missing piece on a lot of businesses. Hopefully we, we do that often enough. Every time we have a discussion. So for those of you who are listening, what Jay is talking about, what I'm hearing you say is whether you're doing real estate, whether you're helping somebody with their building out their passive income portfolio, mm-hmm. or they're learning what the basic steps are for wholesaling a property or whatever you like to do more. You like to do the extra. And in a way, you appreciate when folks who do the same thing back to you. And yeah. quite frankly, it's that almost becomes the built-in expectation to where, hey, listen, I know who I'm going to work with. I'm going to work with the folks who will go extra. If they don't, hey, listen, there's a, there's a bunch of people out there that can help me. <laughs> that will, right? Yeah. That's exactly 100%. right. That's exactly right. As far as with what it is that we do and you know, with the design of this particular show, I appreciate that you would even think to have me on. I don't think that my story is all that interesting. I just, you know, just we just do it. Knucklehead is is really just meant to be a, a way to say, hey, listen, there's not one of us that's got this all figured out. However, there are things that we've learned as we've gained experience. And uh, the common denominator is we're all going to screw up. And that's really what Knucklehead's all about. Well, I think that, but that's also what kind of drew me to it when one of our first conversations, because as you know, we kind of alluded to a little bit earlier, my first purchases weren't because I had this grand scheme. It was because like, Hey, I need a place to live and did it. And then it accidentally turned into a great you know, situation, but you know, it was a hundred percent by accident. We talk about our screw ups all the time. So I think that's where the alignment really worked out. But, uh, I think you got to give yourself more credit as well. And I, th- and like, let's kind of go into that real quick. Like we said earlier, we talk a lot about, you know, creating stability, you know, a little bit of financial freedom and, you know, investment, obviously investment, because that's what I love to talk about, but there's some risk 
too, like or, or like some doubt coming out, like you came out of the out of the Marine Corps, like you said, you're about to have your first child, and you know we talked about taking that first step, and we talk about it a lot in the podcast about sometimes it's just taking that step, you know, take a leap and believe in yourself, and that had to be a pretty big leap uh, going into self employment, you know, once you started a family, and you know after the military, how how did that work out for you? Or how scary was it at first? I appreciate that. You put me in that position. So the reality is, is if I had known then what I know now, I would have done a lot of things differently. Mm -hmm. You know, I almost wrecked my marriage. I almost ran off, you know, my wife and folks that I cared about. And a lot of it just had to do with me not taking the time to analyze. I think you said it a little bit earlier. If you don't take the time to analyze or fix what you did wrong or make that better, I mean, you're going to end up with a lot with the same struggles. You're going to end up repeating a lot of the same mistakes, but you also never grow. You're going to be stuck in the same spot thinking that it's somebody else's fault or not understanding your actions are actually creating this stuck in the mud type of process. I don't know how to describe it other than to say that I just, I felt like I was stuck and that's terrifying. When I married my best friend, she's the most beautiful woman on the planet to me. I mean, we've been married 14 years now and she's what I term an ass kicker. She's, she's just, she's out there going out doing, doing things that she knows she needs to do because she's got goals to, to accomplish for her family. And that's how I was. It just wasn't performing that way. Whenever I got out of the military, it just, it was odd. And then you start to develop this delusional type thought process where like, why am I not performing when I know that that's my expectation? It's like, it, it really was a, a very, for lack of a better term, it was a, it was a screw job mentally. It was, it was weird. And so it took me, I'd say a few years before I really was able to develop the consistency necessary to start adding on top of what our baseline expectation was for our family. And then, you know, you throw kids on top of that and then moving and then switching jobs. It, it was, it was a tumultuous time for me whenever we got out of the military to say the least. And I don't give it that much credit, Jay, because sometimes like when I go back and I look at it and really look at it, it's hard because it's, it was painful, you know, yeah. but you have to do that. And, you know, I talked to my wife about this still to this day. She's somebody I talked to probably more than anybody. It's if you don't realize the steps that you've made, you know, even if it's from year to year, it's difficult like to recognize the progress that you've made. Right. So 2019, we started Knucklehead Media Group. We lost a boatload of our revenue at the beginning of COVID. And when I say a boatload, I'm talking about 60, 70% of the revenue that we had as an organization was gone. And we still grew by the end of 2020. And it's because of those painful experiences that I just alluded to, being able to self-analyze, being able to get outside perspective about what things need to change that helped us to be able to grow. And we're positioned in 2021 to go out and, and start working with you know publicly traded corporations. I mean, Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 organizations recognize what it is that we're doing and they realize they also need help. Not only do they need help because they can't do it themselves, they need help because we do it better, in my opinion. Right. Right. Well, hey, don't forget about us little guys. You know, I can't plug in my microphone on my own. <laughs> but our mission has always been working with like-hearted folks. Uh, Nick Ripplingler, who's been a guest on Knucklehead Podcast twice, he owns a company called Battlesite Technologies in Ohio. He's a phenomenal guy, phenomenal business owner, he's a former army guy. He wrote a book called Frontline Leadership back in the day that my wife actually bought for me when I was going through that time. The book really helped me just be relatable to the challenges that was going on. And he talked about using it as a standard of who to work with, looking for like-hearted folks. There's a bunch right. of like-minded folks who want to have money and choices and options, but like-hearted folks are difficult to come by. Yeah, I think that's a huge differentiation right there. 
But no, that, that is huge. And, and I appreciate you sharing that part of the story too, because I think a lot of people are, you know, back to the, the, the pains you had, like making that transition, because I think a lot of people go through that and a lot of people don't recognize that other people dealt with it as well and don't realize that it's normal. You know what I mean? And, and kind of beat themselves up more than they should or whatever. And I think we all do that. I, I believe for a lot of us, that's when we get a lot of self-doubt, you know, because you are, you're, it's a whole different world whole different world. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. hundred percent, man. It's always good to go back and, and review, but it also, the past can inform the future. It doesn't have to equal the future. You know what I mean? Right. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. One thing I gotta, gotta ask you, cause we talked about this all the time too, but yeah. uh, what, you, what, do you, what would you say has been your biggest, I don't want to say failure because you know, nothing's a failure if you don't stop going forward. What's been your biggest hurdle roadblock or biggest stumble, I guess we would say trying to, uh, you know, build a business yourself. Ego. Yeah. I mean, that's not even a tough one. I'm a dude who is hard headed and stubborn. <laughs> I think I'm right all the time, which I'm not like, it's weird the thoughts that go through your head, but it's ego. And it's also been one of the hardest things. So like, if you can quiet your ego down, wife gives me a hard time. I'll say, she's like, would you stop trying to protect your balls? Just you know, own the mistake and screw up, you know, just stop acting like you got it figured out. It's like, well, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. That's what it should not get credit for trying to figure it. No, it just, um, or even clients to a certain extent, like it, if it takes longer to get things done than what you originally anticipated, if you can communicate that and then you can turn around and be able to execute and deliver that takes humility. It takes like realizing, holy crap, my ego or my overinflated sense of self-worth is actually coming across infringing upon this person's sphere. I'm here to serve. I'm here to work with people. I'm here to help folks do what they do better. That's my whole yeah. job. And that's one of our core values as a business is, is just collaboration and excellence and execution. It's, it's all about being able to help folks get better. Well, if it's all about me, then what the hell, you know? Right. Right. That's a big part of it too. And I think a lot of friends will ask me, and I'm sure you've had the same thing, like, oh, it must be cool having your own business or working for yourself or any of these things. There's no use even trying to explain if there haven't been there, but it's like, no, everyone is your boss. When you're work for yourself or you have a, everyone's your boss because people on your team, you have to make sure they're taken care of. That's our obligation. But also every client, that's your boss, you know? So... <laughs> It's never, it's never really that you're working for yourself. What is it in the Marine Corps or the military? You got a couple of bosses, one or two. When you run a business, you, you've yeah. got a bunch of them. Like you've yeah. got a bunch of them. And quite frankly, that's a better thing. Like in the military, like there's a, a phrase skating. Like when you skate yeah. out of a way from what it is that you're trying to do, that doesn't work. Not yeah. only does it not work, it's like every time you do that, whenever you get out, you actually feel worse about yourself. And then that comes through in what it is that you do and that it's messy. So I think that's funny that you're talking about that because <laughs> yeah, you're, you're trying to make things happen all the time. You can make things happen uh, more consistently than if you were, you know, working a job solely, working a job and running a business. Those are two different things. But if you treat your business like it's a job, you know, you can crush it. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize that too. And a lot of people don't treat it that way when they try to be self-employed because they think of the freedom without earning that upfront. You know, you got to put that, put that work in beforehand and then build up. But kind of covered like a broad scope of some of the subjects that we discuss a lot of the times today. Um, you know, going from your Marine Corps time to out to struggling for that transition to now being the founder of your own media company. 
I mean, I appreciate it. Like, it sounds awesome when you say it like that. I never, I never tell myself that ever. I, I don't ever even talk about it that way, but that's it's true. But that's why you keep going forward. You know, that's why people keep going forward. But sometimes it, you know, it takes someone else to go back and look at it and go, you know, that's, a, that's a lot of progress, you know? And I, and I think that that should be a great example for people listening as well, who, Hey, if you're not happy with what you're doing, or you're not happy with the place you are in your life, it doesn't mean it can turn around tomorrow. But if you take a step tomorrow, it can definitely turn around or get to a place you want it to be, or shoot, if you're happy with it, the way it is now, just keep it going that way, you know, but it, but it just all starts with the step, right? I think that's the message. I, I don't know if very enough people with, I don't want to say authority, like I, one of my mentors talked to me about how this generation is one of the last generations where we don't look to the instructor. We don't look to the senior. We don't look to somebody who has a boatload of experience as kind of the authority. We look to information as the authority. And if I can go find the information, then I can do that. It doesn't matter where it comes from. And that's confused a lot of people about these traditional, I guess, paradigms of leadership. It's the dichotomy of leadership is what Jocko calls about it or talks about in his book. But the reality is, is positional authority is, is not necessarily a, a great way to breed confidence, to have this uh, decentralized command and instill responsibility. You're experiencing some of this in your business. You talked about it just a little bit earlier. It's amazing how that change takes place. And as a parent, as a dad, which is a huge value uh, of mine, like our family, our five core values of the family is faith, family, food, fitness, and finances, right? So I, I didn't come up with that. You know, my, my, that was a lot <laughs> that had to do with my wife. You know, my wife right. is literally the, the glue that keeps his family together. She's amazing. But my whole point in saying that is, is when you're trying to mold men and mold boys into becoming responsible adults, Every time you get top down, every time you get upset, every time you come over the top, yeah, you may have a little bit of, it's still a little bit of fear in them, but you're actually losing a little bit of respect that they have because if they can't replicate that same intensity or that same anger, they're not going to be able to be as effective. And so right. what are you, what are you teaching? I guess my whole rant here at the tail end of this is to say <laughs> that you truly need to be able to say, listen, not only do I not have this all figured out, most of the time I'm going to screw up. The whole goal is to evaluate what went wrong and try to not do those same mistakes tomorrow and go out there and continue to grow and try new things. Well, that was a pretty good summary right there. For sure, man. Only a dad or a mom could pull that one off. So they're well played. I'm no Jay Johnson, but I tried my best, my friend. I'm no, Jay Johnson. <laughs> no, that was awesome. Man. And, and I, I genuinely uh, appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk on here today. I know we, we talk a lot and I bounce ideas off of you, throw things your way and stuff like that. And I, I appreciate that as well. You know, that's definitely not part of a podcast relationship, but I just definitely value your, you know, your perspective as a business owner and as a you know, veteran as a person. So I can't say enough about that. So I appreciate that and your time today. And hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully we get to do this again. Listen, hey, if y'all haven't gone over to Manscaped, this is one of Jay's sponsors, go to Manscaped, put in the code expertish. You're going to get 20% off of a great product shipped to a store. He's probably already told you this before, but he's got sponsors. He's got sponsors <laughs> of his show, right? Uh, that may or may not have happened through his production issue. That's a different topic. The whole point <laughs> is, is Jay still kicking ass and, and taking names. And you can actually get 20% off of Manscaped. And you go there, like if your kids come in and their feet stink, they actually have a product called Foot Duster. It's amazing. You can spray it on there and it's like deodorant. It's awesome. It's great. 20% off Jay's site. Go to manscaped.com. Use Expedition. 20% off.
it took me a while to even figure out all the different products that came in those, in those kits, man. It's pretty amazing. It is pretty amazing. We love it. Yeah. It's, it's good stuff. And it, and it looks kind of like high end too. I felt like I was cheating somehow. Seriously. Like, You're this like, this is like a little too high end looking for a guy. You know? That's exactly right. This is way too good. This is way too cool. They definitely had somebody who got paid the bid bucks on the, on the design side. <laughs> There's no question about it. Absolutely. For sure. Appreciate you, man. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to talk with you and your audience. I love being able to do this and talk with, again, like-hearted folks. It's a big deal. When you find them, just cherish them. And I appreciate you trusting us and continuing to just do business with us. And I'm excited to where things are going to not only progress for your business, but for those who are listening to this podcast that are able to take these skills, these lessons that you're giving them and do something with it too. That's the whole point. Hey, I appreciate it, Stephen. Thanks so much, man. You bet. Have a good rest of the day.